0: Well, welcome, I'm glad that you can join us this morning to uh, celebrate uh, this Easter Sunday. the There are special days, throughout the year that are celebrated, right? There are uh, birthdays people celebrate because of, uh, somebody ha- was born on that day, and so it is a special day. Or you might celebrate an anniversary because uh, a couple got married, and so they celebrate on that day a special uh, day that's set aside for that remembrance of something that happened. Or maybe there's like an awards banquet or ceremony or something, and there will be a celebration of what uh, somebody has accomplished, what they have done. And uh, today we are going to celebrate here in this place, which we do every Sunday, but in particular today on Easter Sunday we we celebrate. And the reason that we come here to church to celebrate uh, is because of who Jesus is, because uh, Jesus is unlike any other person that has ever lived or will ever live. He is completely unique, and we will uh, look at that this morning in in two uh, episodes in the life of Jesus, the first being His transfiguration uh, and the second being uh, His resurrection. And so, if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 17, I want to read for you uh, verses 1 through 9. Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9, and after six days... Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This uh, episode in the life of of Jesus um, reveals to his disciples just briefly who he really is. Right? They have seen Jesus as he uh, walked with them. He, he has done amazing things, taught amazing things, uh, healed people, and just uh, in general been an amazing kind of a person, right? The kind of person that you look at them and talk about them and say, isn't he extraordinary? Like there are normal people and then there are really great people and Jesus is just extraordinary. Isn't he marvelous? And what they're about to discover as Jesus invites these three disciples, these uh, core closest friends of his, Peter and James and John, as he invites them to join him as he goes up onto the top of a very high mountain, what they are about to see is that Jesus is actually not just extraordinary, but is unlike anyone, completely unlike anyone that had ever lived before or would ever live after. He is completely unique. And so I want to point out as we look through this story a couple of ways in which Jesus is particularly unique. And the first is that in Jesus is the veiled glory of God. In Jesus is the veiled glory of God. It says in verse 2, and he was transfigured before them. That is, his appearance changed shape. His appearance changed before them. They were looking, they saw him, and then it was different than what they had seen before, right? There was something about his appearance that had changed. Now, I was trying to think of an example, something, and the, the closest, you're going to have to forgive this analogy, but it's like the Hulk. You were going to say that? Yes, I got it right, right? It was it. It's like the Hulk. Like you, you see, uh, it's Bruce Banner, right? I want to get that right. And then he changes into the Hulk, and he transforms, and it's like, whoa, that's different. And that's what happened here. Jesus invites Peter and James and John, and they go up onto the top of a very high mountain, and he is transfigured before them. He changes appearance before them, and they went, wow, that's different. Now, they were already impressed with Jesus. They had already left their lives behind. Everything about them, they had said, we're going to leave everything, drop everything so that we can follow you and learn from you. And despite that, despite that level of commitment, now Jesus reveals to them something that is completely uh, beyond their experience. These guys that had seen him feed crowds of thousands with only a few small fish and loaves of bread. These guys that had seen him calm the storms. These guys that had seen him uh, give sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf. These guys that had seen him do all of these things and now for just a moment he gives them a peek behind the curtain where he reveals his full glory and he goes, guys, do you know who I really am? Now, he had asked them that a few verses before, guys, who do you think that I am? And Peter, being the bold one, goes, oh, I know who you are. You're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. I know who you are. You are the Messiah, the one that we have been expecting, the Son of God. And Jesus says, yeah, but do you know what that means? Let me give you a glimpse of what that means. And for just a moment there on the mountaintop, He reveals His glory to them, and this is what happens. He is transfigured before them, and His face shone like the sun, and His clothes became white as light. As if they were not even just white, right? It's it's, uh, common for people to wear uh, white on, on Easter, but this is like white like pure light kind of white, and his face shone before them. And it reminds us of when uh, another man went up onto a mountain to behold the glory of God, right? Moses uh, before had gone up onto a mountain and had seen the glory of God, and it was so marvelous that God said, I cannot show you my full glory. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hide you in the, in the crack of a rock and I'm going to put my hand over you so that you can't see me because if you behold my full glory, you will surely die. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just pass by while I have uh, my hand over you, I'm going to pass by and then I'm going to let you see the afterglow of my glory after I've gone by. And Moses, having seen the afterglow of God's glory after he went by, then came down the mountain and had to put a veil over his face because his face shone so brightly that the people were like, whoa, there's something going on with Moses. And now the disciples are going, whoa, there's something going on with Jesus. He was, for a moment, revealing that He was not just man, but God Himself in flesh and saying, guys, let me show you a bit of my heavenly glory, the glory that I have put aside so that I can take on this fleshly body, this this glory that you can't fully understand and you can't really handle. I just want to give you a glimpse of who I really am. Because in Jesus is the veiled glory of God. They didn't see that part before. They saw the miraculous works. They knew He was an amazing man. They heard His teaching. But now He reveals for them, just briefly, His full glory. And I can imagine the disciples going, What? No way! That's so awesome! You're like... That kind of Christ. This is going to be great. This is going to be great. I can just sort of imagine the disciples going, wait, 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 wait. You've been able to do this the whole time? Why don't you just show everybody this? Then everybody's going to bow down. Why don't you just show everybody who you really are? You could, like, Thanos, all your enemies. You could just reveal your glory and everyone would know that you are the Messiah. But that wasn't Jesus' way. That wasn't Jesus' way. Jesus' way is to veil the glory of God so that He could come and reveal Him in a way that we would understand. In fact, we'll go on now to verse 3 where we will see that in Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with Him. So there's Jesus on the mountain, for just a moment, revealing to them his glory, and then suddenly Moses and Elijah on either side of him, talking with him. I don't know how they knew it was Moses and Elijah. I know there were some of you going, I wouldn't know Moses and Elijah from Adam. But there they are, and they see them, and they go, I know who that is. That is Moses, and that is Elijah. And why Moses and Elijah? Because the Old Testament as a whole was referred to as the law and the prophets, and Moses represented the law, and Elijah represented the prophets. Moses, the one who had given the Israelites Torah, the law, the instructions of God, the one who had beheld God face to face as a man speaks to a man. And Elijah, that great prophet who had spoken the words of God and then had been brought up into heaven without ever dying a mortal death. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 18 in verse 15, Moses had been talking with the people of Israel and he had been promising them this, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers, it is to him you shall listen. And then in verse 18, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. And then again, at the end of the Old Testament, in the book of Malachi, if you look at the very, very end of the Old Testament, before you have that page turn with the blank page and you get to the New Testament where it starts talking about Jesus, at the very end of the book of Malachi, this is what it says. "'Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and the rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all of Israel.'" Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. He will, turn the hearts of their father, he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And that is how the Old Testament ends. With this anticipation and this waiting of this promised day of the Lord. And now what are the disciples experiencing exactly that? Here is the Lord Himself in flesh revealing for just a moment up on this mountaintop His glory to them. And there are Moses and Elijah with him, talking with him. And they go, this is it. This is the great day of the Lord. This is the day we have been expecting and anticipating. Jesus is here to fulfill all of our expectations from the law and the prophets. Everything that we expected from the Old Testament is now going to be fulfilled in Jesus. This is it. This is the beginning of the day of the Lord. And I think that that might have confused them a little bit because this was Peter's response. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Peter didn't have any idea what was going on. He didn't know what to say. And so he just started going, I've got an idea. I don't know if he saw Moses and was like, Oh, this reminds me of uh, the, the time back in the wilderness where they set up the feast of tabernacles and so everybody needed a tabernacle. Maybe we need tabernacles for everybody. Should we do that, Jesus? Or maybe he, he thought, this was the day of the Lord coming, and this is going to be base camp. And so I'm going to set up a tent, and we're going to have base camp, and this is going to be the beginning of your kingdom, Jesus. And we'll just start right here, you and Moses and Elijah. I thought maybe I'd be your right-hand man, but I can tell it's going to be Elijah. And he didn't have any idea what to say. He just knew that this was an impactful moment, that Jesus was revealing something to them. And later, after he got it, in 2 Peter chapter 1, he wrote this, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For when He received honor and glory from the Father, and the voice was borne to Him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with Him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word made, full, made more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. is it I just want you to know, guys, that we were there. That we know that Jesus fulfills all of the law and the prophets because we were there. We saw his glory on that mountain. We heard the voice from heaven. And we know that he is the climax, the peak, the pinnacle of all of human history. Jesus is the apex. In verse 5 of Matthew 17, we hear this voice. Verse 5, he was still speaking, that was Peter was still speaking, when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. While Peter was still speaking and making up things, plans for Jesus, things that he thought Jesus might want to do, while he was still speaking, behold. Did you, some of you have been around as we talked through about the book of Matthew before, and we know that every time you see behold, it's like, surprise, here's an unexpected thing. And so here we have, a, and behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. What a weird turn of phrase. A bright cloud overshadowed them. Here you have a cloud that is enveloping them, covering them, but there is no darkness. There is no shadow because it is all bright. It is all light. Jesus' face is light. His clothes are light and the cloud is light. There is just light here enveloping the disciples in this place. And so that even while while Peter is speaking these ideas about building tents and things, God is just moving on and going, let me just finish, Peter. Let, Let me just finish the whole thing and show you what this is all about. And the cloud comes and descends and covers them, envelops them in this radiance of God, the glory of God in this place. Just like it had on the top of uh, Mount Horeb when uh, Moses was up there. And the, the Israelites would look from the base of the mountain and see the glory of God in that place. Or the cloud that would descend on the tent of meeting and then would arise and lead them to the next place that they should go. Now the cloud comes, the presence of God comes on the top of this mountain, and it says, from the cloud, the voice from heaven booms and speaks, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. Listen to Him. Because in Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. In Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. We have all of the the prophecies, all of the written word of God that communicates to us who God is and what God has done throughout history, but in Jesus is the person of God. And now God the Father is speaking of God the Son and is saying, I want you to listen to Him. It harkens back to Deuteronomy 18 when Moses said, a prophet will arise from among your brothers, you should listen to him. What an incredible thing that someone is raised up from among the brothers, from among the people of Israel, a person is raised up That we should listen to Him and also that same person is the Son of God descended from heaven. In one person, the perfect revelation of God, the one that we should listen to. And in Him, God the Father is well pleased because everything He does is exactly according to the will of God. This is now the second time in the book of Matthew that God the Father has spoken from heaven both times to confirm the identity of Jesus as God the Son. First at his baptism, now at his transfiguration on the top of the mountain. The voice booms from heaven. This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. Now if you were in that place like these disciples. Let's say you were Peter or James or John and you were standing on the mountain. And you had seen Jesus do a lot of amazing things. But now suddenly, Jesus reveals to you just for a moment His full glory, or at least as much as you can handle. And the glory of God in the Shape of a cloud comes down and descends and speaks from the heavens. And if you were there in that moment, what might your response be? I think my response would be God, I am overwhelmed. I am overwhelmed with this revelation of who Jesus is. And in fact, the disciples had very much that kind of response. For in verse 6 it says that when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. When you find yourself in the presence of the great god of the universe that perfect holy being you are you cannot help but notice your complete inadequacy to be in his presence and these disciples these ones who had left everything behind so that they could dedicate their lives to following jesus were terrified At the presence of God revealed before them. And they fell on their faces, recognizing their complete inadequacy. Oh God, I am not sufficient for this. Who am I that you would reveal yourself to me? Oh God, if only you knew who I was you would know how undeserving I am. And as they laid there, terrified, verse 7, it says, But Jesus came and touched them and said, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Can you imagine? You're in that place. You're seeing all of this, right? You're seeing the glory of Jesus being revealed. You're seeing Moses and Elijah talking with him. I don't know what they're talking about, but I'd love to know. You see the glory of God in the cloud. You hear the voice of God telling you this. You're completely overwhelmed and you just do like this. And Jesus says, it's okay. And there's Jesus. Just like he was when he was at the bottom of the mountain when you went up, started to go up. There's Jesus, knowing that they were completely overwhelmed by his glory, knowing that they couldn't handle it, knowing that they weren't sufficient for it, and coming to them and touching them and saying, It's okay, guys, get up, rise. And don't be afraid. Now, if our natural response in the presence of a holy, perfect God is to be terrified, how is it that we can rise and not be afraid? It is because Jesus, in His humility, is the mediator between God and man. And so that divine glory that we can't handle, that those special disciples, those closest to Him, couldn't handle... In that presence, Jesus goes, it's okay, I am here. I know you can't handle that. I wanted to show it to you, but I know you can't handle it. And so he resumes his fleshly form and comes to them and gets down on their level and touches them and says, rise up, guys. And so we asked the question earlier on, why wouldn't he do this always? Why wouldn't he just reveal his glory like this always to all the people and then they would know who he was? But they wouldn't be able to handle it. And they would be terrified of him. And in this way, Jesus is the mediator between God and man because he has set aside that glory for a time so that he could take on flesh and come down on our level and speak to us and we should listen to him when he does as the perfect revelation of God but withholding all of the glory, withholding all of the pomp and all of the circumstance, he he withholds all of that so that we can hear from him and accept him. Because he's the mediator between God and man. In Matthew chapter 26, these same three disciples are going to be invited with Jesus to, again, a special moment in the life of Jesus. But it's going to be very, very different than this one. In this one, they go up onto the top of a mountain. In chapter 26, they're going to go down into a valley into a garden. In this episode, they are up on the top of a mountain and it is very bright as the glory of, the, of God is there. But when they go down into the valley, into the garden, it's going to be very dark and it's going to be night. And when they get down to that place, Jesus is going to bring them, and even they, he's going to leave them there, and he's going to go a little bit further, and he's going to drop on his knees, and he is going to pray. And his disciples, instead of praying with him again, are going to close their eyes, this time in sleep. And Jesus is going to again return to them and say, Rise. But this time he's going to say, Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This one in whom is all the glory of God. Put on flesh, submitted himself to the will of God the Father, To the point of suffering and rejection so that in that place of darkness his betrayer would come and would hand him over that he might be beaten and crucified. Well, at this moment in chapter 17, they are rejoicing because this is the great day of the Lord that we've been anticipating. This is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. This is the revelation of Jesus as the Messiah and King. In that moment, it will be the revelation of Jesus, the suffering servant. But that won't be the end. Because as they come down the mountain, and Jesus knows they are on their way to Jerusalem, he's revealed to these three disciples who he is, and he knows what's coming next. He knows that this next episode is going to be his uh, betrayal, his arrest, his abandonment, and his crucifixion. He knows that that's coming. And so he tells these guys, guys, I don't want you to say anything about what you just saw. Until after I've risen from the dead. Verse 9. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. He knows that he is going to a place of death, he knows that that's what's coming. But in Jesus is the power of resurrection. He is so certain of it that from this mountaintop experience as they're going down to Jerusalem and going down into the valley, he is already talking about the resurrection. Guys, I'm going to have to die. I'm going to have to suffer and die. He said that just a few verses ago at the end of chapter 16. And I don't want you to tell anybody about what you just saw until after I've been raised from the dead. That's confidence right there. That's someone who knows what he's about. He knows exactly what is going to come next. He's going to die, he's going to rise again from the dead. That's what's going to happen. And for those who would believe in Him, for those who would leave other things behind and follow Jesus and say, Jesus, I trust in You. For them, He will be their mediator between God and man. For them, He will be their redemption. For them, His sacrifice on the cross will cause them to be purified of their sins. And for them, they will share in His resurrection. It is for them and them only that there is the hope of eternal life for those who would follow Jesus. And it is in this that he reveals himself. In this moment, in his transfiguration, we see that Jesus is unlike anyone else. There is no one else like him. There never has been and never will be. Sometimes you hear that, right? Sometimes you hear that uh, you'll be watching a sports thing and they'll be like, wow, that is amazing. This is a record that will never be broken. This record will stand forever. You don't know that. He won seven gold medals at one Olympics. You don't know that that's going to stand forever. Oh, what do you know? Somebody won eight. In Jesus, He is unique. He is not just exceptional or extraordinary. He is unique. He is the only Son of God. He is the only man and God. In one person, both God and man. And that's why we come here on Sundays. That's why we we rejoice here on Easter, because we recognize that the transfiguration revealed to those three disciples who he was, and his resurrection confirmed it. He pinned everything on the resurrection. He said, guys, I don't want you to tell anybody who I am until after I've raised from the dead. That's going to confirm it for you and everyone. I'm not going to show them glory like this. It will be in my resurrection that will be the proof. Then they will all know. And those who believe will be counted among my people, and I will forgive their sins. And those who do not believe will be judged. It is in these two episodes that Jesus confirms to us his uniqueness among all of mankind. This is a special day. This is a special day. This is Easter Sunday. This is the day that we celebrate his resurrection from the dead. And so I would invite you to participate with me and with those who are sitting around you as we rejoice in that together because we have the hope of resurrection from the dead and eternal life with Jesus because of who he is. Let's pray. Lord God, You have revealed Yourself to us. First, through the Scriptures and Your prophets, who would speak Your words to Your people. You have demonstrated Your love to Your people throughout history, through uh, miracles. But Lord, now we see that you have revealed yourself most fully through the person of Jesus. And so, Lord, I ask for those who are here today that even as the command came from the heavens at that time, that that command would still ring in our ears that we must listen to him. Father, I pray that we would listen and obey and follow Jesus. Follow Him to the point of suffering and death and follow Him beyond the grave to the resurrection of eternal life. And Lord, we praise You for that kind of hope today. In His name, amen.